بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد صلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا ٹوینٹی سکس آف مارچ ان دا ایئر ٹو We moved on to the fourth blessed day of the holy month of Ramadan. And a correction from last week, the previous session was the seventh. And I erroneously mentioned it was the eighth. So today is the eighth session that we're going through the commentary of Surah Al-Hajj. And I've reached verse 23. So inshallah today, going through two of the verses, up to and including verse 24. So verse 23. قرآن Whenever Allah the Almighty and Glorious talks about either the hell or paradise, He follows the other quickly. So in the previous session, we mentioned some of the punishments of the fire. So note again, Allah Ta'ala is now talking about paradise. So who's being referred to? In Ibn Abi Dunya, an Imam Qurtubi in his Tadkhira, Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu, he recited this verse, I verse 23, and he explained, Everyone in paradise has a hollowed pearl in the middle of which there is a tree planting 70 suits of silk daily. So Abu Huraira, he's given a commentary of this verse and Allah is mentioning in this verse they will have gardens and then he mentions at the end they'll have garments of silk. وَلِبَاسُهُمْ فِيهَا حَرِيرٌ So Abu Huraira explains where that silk is coming from. He said that everyone without exception in paradise has a hollowed pearl. I.e. this is a dwelling. And in the middle of that amazing hollowed pearl, there is a tree. And every day, 70 suits of silk are given to you. So subhanAllah. Right? So silk is obviously forbidden for the men in this world. But in paradise, it is lawful. So... It's coming from within your own dwelling, from that blessed tree, according to Abu Huraira radiyallahu. And in a report, the hadith is in Tirmadi, Imam Ahmad in his Musnad 3-75, Imam Ghazali is Ihya, our beloved messenger himself, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He recited this portion of the verse. Therein shall they be decked in bracelets of gold. So this is in the middle of the verse. Therein they shall be decked with bracelets of gold. He explains, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They shall be wearing crowns, the humblest pearl of which would illuminate the earth from the east to the west. <laughs> they shall be wearing crowns, the humblest pearl of which would illuminate the earth from the east to the west. So what's interesting? The verse says bracelets. They'll be decked in bracelets of gold. So why is the, our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam talking about crowns? So he's adding to the verse. The verse is saying that you'll have bracelets, but then you'll have crowns. So there's no person without a crown as well. And one of those pearls, the smallest of them, 
will illuminate everything, meaning it be so luminous, which is beyond comprehension. So not the Prophet himself, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, gave a commentary of a part of this verse, that Allah alayhi wa sallam. And also, there's a hadith in Sayyid Buhari, Sayyid Muslim, Ibn Kathir's tafsir. Our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the jewelry of the believer in paradise will reach as far as his wudu reached. The jewelry of the believer of paradise will reach as far as his wudu reached. So when you do wudu, obviously, you got a point to your elbows when you wash your arms, your feet to your ankles. Your, the Prophet was saying wasallam, that jewelry will go up to wherever you stopped. And this is why famously, and the Sayyid Abu Huraira would wash up to his armpits. <laughs> right? And somebody saw him and he goes, you do this. And then he says, oh, Banu Farrukh, because he was a Persian. He goes, did you see me? He goes, yes. He goes, I want to increase in my adornments. <laughs> so he's actually wanting to put more jewelry on because the Prophet promised this. Can we do this? The scholars differ. But, if a Sahaba did it, who are we to question it? Unfortunately, there was one buffoon who said that Abu Huraira innovated. So-called scholar. Imagine that, you know. So this is very important. When a Sahaba does an action, we can't correct them. Astaghfirullah. However, the only one who could comment upon that is another Sahaba. Did any other Sahaba find fault with Abu Huraira? Nobody. And yeah, so-called scholar in 2000, you know, the 21st century, because he's innovated. We follow the Prophet. Right? So again, this is signs of serious illness. No scholar on earth has commented except good with regards to Abu Huraira here. Also, in Nasa'i and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Abdullah ibn Zubair, he said, those unfortunates who will not wear silk in the hereafter are in reality those who will not enter paradise. For Allah the Almighty and Glorious says, and he recited the end portion, and their garments will be of silk. So what did Amir al-Mu'mineen Abdullah ibn Zubay say? He goes, those who will not wear silk, in, look how interesting, if you do not wear silk in the hereafter, you're not going to paradise. But what an ajeeb statement if you think about that. If you said to a person, brother, would you not like to wear silk in the next life? On the face of it, it seems like a very, as long as I get to paradise, it doesn't work like that, brother. <laughs> Amir al-Mu'mineen Abdullah ibn Zubayr said, if you don't wear silk, you're not going to paradise. Because Allah Ta'ala says that the garments will be silk. <laughs> and the Abu Huraira said that each person, the silk garments are coming out from their dwelling. So how are you in paradise? <laughs> So this is why we say we definitely want to wear silk in paradise. Of course, because this is a sign that you're a, you're a successful person. So now there's a point here in context. Here we have the case of those who were persecuted, abused, prevented from entering the Kaaba, <coughs> deprived of all that makes life smooth, agreeable and comfortable, the early persecutions. For them, the mead is described in metaphors that negative all these afflictions. Costly garments are given to them as against being stripped of home and property. Purity of speech is given to them as against the abuse they received. The path of the Lord of praise 
is given to them as against the fierce malignant persecution in which they were subjected. Look how beautiful. Every, every hardship the Muhajirun went through, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, Allah ta'ala replaces that with the blessing of paradise. So what hardships did they go through? They had to leave everything. So what has Allah ta'ala given them? Expensive everything in return for that. They, secondly, people spoke ill of them because these are the fools, these are the sabians, these are this and that. So Allah ta'ala, what does he say? Because they will be given purity of speech. Allah Ta'ala Himself is going to praise them. And then thirdly, you know, everything is reversed. Allah Ta'ala never lets any hardship go to waste. Now how do we know that? Because when Khabbab ibn al-Arat passed away, radiyallahu, Sayyidina Ali, karramallahu, watch came to his grave and he stayed there for a long time looking at his grave. And he said, Allah Ta'ala never forgets the hardships of his servants. <laughs> Because Khabbab went through tremendous pain. He was tortured in the early life and he went through so much pain. And Hazrat Ali goes, Allah Ta'ala never forgets. Meaning everything you will be rewarded for. And what did famously the Prophet Sallallahu say? Even if a thorn pricks your foot, Allah Ta'ala will give you something for it. So there's no such thing as an accident. Allah Ta'ala is doing that for a reason. But you know, we, we need to look at the bigger picture. So now a question is posed here. Why are men wearing bracelets? So a person gets a bit embarrassed because I'm going to wear bracelets. Isn't that a feminine thing? So here it's mentioned. This is by, uh, it's called Scattered Pearls. Sheikh Muhammad Yunus Palanpuri, who was the son of Maulana Muhammad Umar Palanpuri. Volume 1 of Scattered Pearls, page 122 of the English translation. So he quotes this verse. He recites the verse, verse 23. He then says, Here one might think that wearing bracelets is feminine and this is not becoming for the male so obviously you're right if you see a man walking down the street with gold bracelets you're thinking what are you doing because this is something that you need to think about then he said the answer to this is that it is a mark of distinction for kings to wear crowns on their heads and bracelets around their wrists it's not for normal people so if a king is sitting on his throne with a you know with his uh what do you call it? Crown and he's wearing, you know, gold bracelets because he's a king. In one hadith, it has been mentioned that when Suraka ibn Malik, before he embraced Islam, was pursuing Rasulullah on the famous Hijrah, his horse got stuck in the sun. When Suraka repented, Rasulullah prayed to Allah, his horse be released. At that time, Rasulullah promised Suraka that when Muslims, look what he said, when the Muslim takes the Kisra's bracelets. Who was Kisra? He was the Persian emperor. What did the Prophet say? He's wearing bracelets. As spoils of war, it shall be given to Suraka. Then during the days of Umar, when Persia was conquered, these bracelets were brought with other spoils. Suraka claimed them and they were given to him. But then Umar goes, now take it off. So Suraka, the Lango said, didn't the Prophet promise me this? He goes, yes, but he didn't promise you to keep them. You could just wear them. You could not take them off. <laughs> right, right? And then Suraka obviously you know, gave it. Then the Sheikh said, In short, it is not customary for ordinary men to wear crowns. It is a mark of regal distinction as is the case with bracelets. This is why the people of paradise shall wear bracelets. So now what's interesting, the Sheikh then says, As far as the bracelets are concerned, in this surah, Hajj, in Surah Fatir, Surah 35, verse 33, they shall be made of gold. 
was in Surah Nisa, it is mentioned they made of silver and, and it mentions pearl. Those, the Mufassirin have stated that the people of paradise shall wear three types of bracelets. Those made of gold, those made of silver, those made of pearls. Refer to Marif al-Quran, page 238, Jews 17. So look how amazing. Every one of us, inshallah, will have a gold bracelet, a silver bracelet, and a pearl bracelet in paradise. Well, this, you know, it's your mind is hard. You're in Jannah. You're all kings. What did the, the prophets that allow Islam say? It is the abode of kings. There is no pauper in paradise. Everybody's a king. In fact, the lowest person in paradise, what did the prophet say about him? That Allah when he sees what Allah has given him, the hadith in Imam Ahmad's Musnad, the Prophet said, if he wanted to, he could invite all the people of the earth, he could feed them all, give them all to drink, and he could marry off their single ones. And this wouldn't affect his uh, his resources. <laughs> so imagine somebody comes into Sheffield and he goes, anybody who married here? What are you asking? He goes, I, I want to get them all married, I'll pay for everything. <laughs> What are you talking about, brother? That's Sheffield. You know, our mind can't get... Somebody goes, no, no, forget that. England, Europe, the whole world. Guess what? And they say, I'll do the walima, I'll feed everybody. Nothing, just you get married. And that person, when he does all that, his resources don't diminish. That's the lowest person in paradise. Right? So imagine what you had on the earth, this last person in paradise. Maybe he was a pope. Now what has he got? So somebody goes, no, king on earth is that. So you can't even say a king on the earth is like a king in paradise. The king in paradise is something else. The Prophet said, the lowest person in paradise, his kingdom will go on for 2,000 years. This is in Tirmidhi, Imam Ahmad's Musnad. 2,000 years, what does that mean? If somebody goes, how much land have you got? Do you start saying this? One month. What do you mean one month? Like you say, one kilometer couple of, you know, you just mentioned normal, you know, measurements. One month, what are you talking about, brother? 2,000 years. <laughs> That's more than the world. If somebody goes, I've got 2,000 years of land, what? how many times you go around the world? That's his kingdom. All that, you know, he's got, alhamdulillah. So note again here, Allah is mentioning paradise, and we ask Allah, the Almighty and Glorious, to make us amongst those fortunate souls. Amen. <laughs> Verse 24. For they have been guided in this life to the purest of speeches. They have been guided to the path of him who is worthy of all praise. So now there's a very interesting report here. So in Marif al-Hadith, Sheikh Muhammad Manzul Nu'mani, who is buried in Jannat al-Baqi, he wrote a work called Marif al-Hadith. So in the English translation, volume 3, page 168, he, he says, Imam Abu Abdullah Farbari, he transmitted Bukhari from Imam Bukhari. So he's a transmitter of Bukhari. He's a very saintly soul. Imam Abu Abdullah Farbari, he said, One night I woke up from my sleep. So he, said, he, was, he was sleeping and he said, I woke up. And by the ability granted to me by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I recited the sunnah phrases, which I'll mention in a bit. Then I fell asleep again and I had a dream and somebody said to me and he recited this verse and guided they have been to beautiful speech 
and guided they have been to the way of the praiseworthy. This is in Fat al-Bari, volume 5, page 610. So this is the report. So what happened? A saint, he's, he's sleeping, he wakes up, he says the sunnah, which I'll mention, he goes back to sleep, and a saintly or an angel or somebody of that sort recited this verse to him. So let's now go to the sunnah. What's the sunnah being referred to? The hadith is in Sayyid Bukhari. Ubadah ibn As-Samit radiyallahu relates that Rasulullah said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if anyone wakes up in the night and makes this dua, La ilaha illallah wahduhu la sharika lahu lahul mulku wa lahul hamdu wa huwa ala kulli shayin kadeer. Alhamdulillahi wa subhanallahi wa la ilaha illallah wa allahu akbar wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billah. After which he says, Allahumma ghfilli, O Allah forgive me. Or makes another dua, Allah Ta'ala will answer his dua. So this is the hadith. That's what the shaykh did. So he gets up, he recites this zikr, doesn't mention what dua he made, but he must have made a dua. He goes back to sleep, and an angel then said to him this verse, they have been guided in this life to the purest of speech. They have been guided to the path of him who is worthy of all places. So then, Mufti Mawlana Manzur Nomani he says, and this is a technical point, the hadith in Bukhari mentions Alhamdulillah before Subhanallah. However, in Abu Dawood, Tirmidhi and others, Subhanallah comes before Alhamdulillah. Hafiz ibn Hajar Askalani in Fat al-Bari, he mentions that Alhamdulillah should come after Subhanallah. In Bukhari's transmission, because of the oversight of one of the narrators, the sequence is slightly changed. Why? Because we all know Subhanallah always comes before Alhamdulillah. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika mutabarakasmuka Subhanallah alhamdulillah. Why is Alhamdulillah come first? So the, the, the commentators of Bukhari Sharif, they go, an innocent mistake has been made. A subnarrator has put Alhamdulillah first. But if you look at the same hadith in Abu Dawud Tirmidhi, it goes Subhanallah comes first. So the correct wording or the more appropriate wording is this. La ilaha illallah wahduhu la sharika lahu lahul mulku wa lahul hamdu wa huwa ala kulli shayin kadeer. Subhanallahi walhamdulillahi wa la ilaha illallah wallahu akbar wa la hula wa la quota illa billah. And this is a, such a simple zikr. Fourth kalima, third kalima. So somebody goes, oh, I don't know this zikr. Because we all know it. We learned it from children. So how many times do you wake up at night? Imagine, should you just wake up? You've got a dua. Fourth kalima, third kalima. And then you make a dua. And what did the Prophet say? Allah Ta'ala will answer it. So let's go back to the report. Imam Bukhari is one of the chen- transmitters. He goes, I woke up, I said this. And I fell asleep. Now look how beautiful. He didn't mention his dua. Why? Because he doesn't want to show what Allah Ta'ala is going to bless him. Maybe he's hiding his deeds. He just mentioned, I said this zikr. But Allah Ta'ala loved the sunnah so much. Why? Because you're following the Prophet. In a dream... This verse, now be honest, did we know it's a verse? Imagine you had the same dream and you hear this, You wake up thinking, oh, what does that mean? Allah Ta'ala has recited a verse, Surah 22, verse 24. So now, this is a zikr that we should do. Question, why is this verse mentioned straight after the verse of paradise? Because when you end up in paradise, you've been guided to everything that leads you to paradise. The purest of speech, 
So look how beautiful. Every sunnah, that's what we learn from that tradition. Every sunnah is a guide to paradise. Whether you think it's small or large. That, you know, we think, well, mashallah, is, is, that will take you to paradise. That's what the hadith is indicating. So note again, beautiful narrations with regards to the context of these verses. So I'll recite the verses. And we will conclude. حرير وهدوء الطيب من القول وهدوء صراط الحميد we pray to almighty allah subhanahu that he makes the quran with the be of our hearts and i pray to almighty allah subhanahu that he forgives me for any errors which i may have inadvertently uttered subhanallah bihamdi subhanak allahumma bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaika wa billahi minash shaitanir rajeem subhanak rabbika rabbil izati amma yasifun wa salamun alal mursalin walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin bismillahir rahmanir rahim wal asr insan lafi khusr alladhina amanu wa amilus salihat wa huwa al haq